Welcome to the broadcast of the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. Our desire is that today's message will multiply God's grace to you. To contact us, please call us at 208-331-4096. We'll repeat that number again at the end of our broadcast today. But now, here is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. Hebrews 11 makes a brief mention of the faith of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, three prominent men in the history of Israel and of our faith. These brief mentions of faith are solely related to an act on their part in their dying days. Whatever their life history as men of faith, what mattered most to God was their faith at the end. Today we look at the life of Isaac and discover that his faith came through after a long struggle trying to avoid the will of God, but faith won out in the end. Well, we're looking at, as I said, Hebrews 11, verses 20 through 22. This will draw us back into the book of Genesis. So have your Bibles ready to go back into Genesis and also then turn back into Hebrews, and we'll look at these together. We have the stories here, a note here in Hebrews on the faith of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And the Holy Spirit was free to have chosen and selected from these three individuals' lives a number of different expressions or examples, but as we look at his lives and as we look at their stories, we see that there is a certain focus that the Holy Spirit has, a certain choice part of their life that he brings before our eyes. But in all their lives, there are exemplary moments of faith that the Holy Spirit could have given us to highlight the faith of each one of these men's lives. We could have considered Isaac redigging the wells that his father Abraham had dug, We could think of how Isaac went before God and pled on the behalf of his barren wife that she would conceive, and God heard his prayers, and God answered by giving the couple twins. We could have looked at the wonderful story of Jacob clinging to God throughout the night and refusing to let him go until he blessed him. At that point, his name turned from Jacob being deceiver to Israel being a prince with God. We could consider all kinds of stories from Joseph, how he was sold into slavery by his brothers, how in the land of Egypt as a slave, as a result of his faith and trust in God, God raised him up to become the second most powerful man in the house of Pharaoh, next to Pharaoh himself and all of Egypt. But this is not what the Spirit of God gives us as our examples of faith from their lives. Instead, in Hebrews 11, The Spirit of God highlights these three individuals at the end of their lives, as they're approaching death, and it's here that He gives us a look at their faith. There's something for us to learn right there. Our faith, the faith that we exhibit throughout our lifetime, counts very little if it is not the faith that is ours at our death time. It's the one who endures and prevails to the end that God blesses. And now this may seem like a stern thing. It may not seem like a blessing to us to think that God just pronounces His blessing on those who endure to the end, but actually, this is very, very gracious. An honest accounting of your own life, you think about it for a moment, an honest accounting of your own life will show that you have not been as faithful as you would like to think in the things that God has taught you. If you were to add up the moments and the actions of your life that were born out of your simple faith and simple trust in God, and then you were to measure them against those times in your life in which you acted simply on an act of self-interest 
and an act of trust in your own self-ability and your own desire to make things happen in your own strength, you might see that the scale tips away from faithfulness to faithlessness. But God waits. And God attends to us. And He watches over us to the very end of our lives. And He takes note of that faith which endures. That expression of faith that comes shining through at the end. That thing that we have made, have held on to and gave expression through at times in fleeting moments, at times in weakness, at times falling back upon ourselves instead of falling out upon God. But God sees and He watches the thread of enduring faith. And listen, saving faith in God does endure. It expresses itself, though mixed with much of the human flaws and feebleness of our lives, it endures. And the one who has been given saving faith comes at the end to rest in God and to trust in Him alone. And God takes a measure of that. And God sees it. And here in this passage, God exalts it from individuals' lives. Isaac, Jacob, which lives oftentimes didn't measure up to an exceeding expression of faithfulness. God shows in the end that thread of believing, enduring faith that shown through in the last hours of their life. So let's for a moment just quickly look through the story of each of these men and then we'll make some applications. And the first one we want to look at is the life of Isaac. You can take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 25. Isaac's wife, Rebekah, did conceive as a result of Isaac's pleading with God for children. And Rebekah had a difficult pregnancy. It seemed as if there was a war going on within her And she asked God why, if this was a blessing to her, she was struggling so much. And the Lord answered her in Genesis chapter 25, verse 23. Listen to what God says. Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. God was giving a prophetic statement in terms of His plan and the pathway through which He was going to bring promise and fulfill the promises that He gave to Abraham, to Isaac, and now through Isaac's children. God renewed, by the way, to Isaac the promise that He had given to Abraham and Abraham's father. God renews that and saying to Isaac that his seed, his singular seed, shall become a nation on the earth and shall through that seed bless all the nations of the earth. One child of Isaac would be the dominant one through which the blessing of Abraham was to go out to all the nations. That's what God is saying to Isaac. And God had told the parents through Rebekah that that child was going to be Jacob, the younger one, and not Esau, the older one. But Isaac favored Esau. Isaac wanted it to be Esau Isaac desired to place the blessing that belonged to Abraham, the blessing that had come to him through Abraham. Isaac wanted to lay his hands on and give it to Esau, not Jacob. And though he knew, and Rebekah as well knew, that the blessing was for the younger son, Isaac tried to secure it for the older son, his favorite son, Esau. Actually, John Phillips points out that the eldest son was the one who was the normal and natural heir of the patriarchal rights. And there were three patriarchal rights. The first was the right to be the right of family progenitorship, 
that is, the right that through the oldest, the primary line of the family with all of its promises and standing within the community would grow and expand. The second right was the right to stand as of priesthood. It was a right for the oldest son in this ancient hour, the oldest son to stand as the one who was the spiritual head and through which the spiritual headship of the extending family with all the younger siblings and all their children would extend that over that family. And the third right was the right to property. So there was the right of progenitorship, the right of priesthood, and the right of property. And that There was a double portion of the property that would be given to the eldest, and then all the other ones would receive their portion after that. So in this case, between Jacob and Esau, Esau would get two-thirds and Jacob would get one-third. It appears, actually, when you read the text and you understand Esau, that Esau was only concerned in that third part of the blessing or the right. Actually, if you follow the story, you'll see that Jacob is the one who possibly whether he knew God's promise that had been given to Rebecca or not, and I think not. Years ago, I had somebody come, and an older lady in a church that I was in, in my first church, she was a missionary to, to, I believe, India. They were retired. We were in a church of about 300 people, a number of young families. I noticed during the service that this dear lady kept, who was visiting on that day kept looking over to the other side of the sanctuary and watching my son being held in his mother's arms. After the service was over with, I was sitting on the platform. I watched her as she made her way across throughout the congregation to where my wife was, spoke to my wife. You could see she was asking to hold our boy up into her arms. I walked over by that point in time. What's going on here? A woman said, well... I've been overwhelmed with the sense that God is going to use this child greatly. She didn't know who, whose child he belonged to. And I want to pray a blessing on him. And she held him in her arms while she prayed for him. Well, that, you can imagine, was a tremendous blessing to my wife and I. But I never told my son of that experience. I didn't share it with him. If it was of God, it's true. It'll help itself. God will answer that prayer, but we're not going to feed it into his life and try to artificially promote it. And I don't know if Rebecca, at this point in time, has told Jacob about this promise or prophecy that has been given towards him as opposed to his brother Esau. But what you find out as you read the story is that Jacob does prize and want that honor. Jacob wants that blessing. His brother Esau is out hunting and he comes back from a hunting trip and he's famished and hungry and Jacob is mixing a a bowl of red lentils, a pottage of lentils, and Esau says, give me something to eat or I'm going to die. Jacob says, well, I'll give you my lentils if you'll give me your birthright. Esau says, well, what matters for my birthright if I die? You can have it, which tells you what Esau is concerned about. So Jacob, at least between the brother, has arranged, now I'm going to get this from you. I don't know that that secured it for him, but it shows what's in his heart, what his desire, what his point of interest is. He wanted the blessing of God in his life. He wanted the blessing of Abraham. Esau wanted the lentils. Well, the day came when old blind Isaac calls for Esau to go on a hunt for him and to make for him a savory dish because Isaac has determined that he is going to give the blessing of Abraham to Esau. So Esau goes off to the hunt. Rebekah learns about this arrangement, sends for Jacob. Maybe at this point in time, she shares the whole story and what God has said and what they know. And she says, this is what your father's planning to do. He's trying to thwart God's plan and God's prophecy and God's purpose. 
And so you're going to go in and you're going to rob this. You're going to put yourself in and you're going to get the blessing instead. And so she decks Jacob out with his perfumed clothes in the clothes of Esau. She puts goat skin on his forearms and the back of his hands. She creates a savory dish that mimics the dish that Esau would make for his father that his father loved so much. She sends Jacob into Esau. Jacob goes in and Jacob gets the blessing that Isaac was attempting to put on Esau. Listen to the blessing again. It's Genesis 27, verses 28 and 29. He thinks he's giving it to Esau. It is opposed to the promise that God gave to Rebekah, and Rebekah shared, I'm certain, with Isaac. Because I smell the field on you, because I know this is my son Esau, he says, may God give you the dew of heaven of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Listen, that's the blessing of progenitorship. He's saying, let the line of blessing that's come go through you. Let your sons serve you. Listen, this promise this blessing ultimately is fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ one day all of the people of Israel will look up so far in our story of Isaac he's attempting to thwart the purpose of God and he's not demonstrating faith but there will be a change slight as it seems it will mean everything for Isaac we'll consider it in our next broadcast until then thanks for listening in to the ministry of the bread of life If you'd like a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, may God bless you.